This morning we're going to read a few scriptures, and uh, so I'm going to turn to them and read them for all you guys. I'm going to read in certain portions, and then I am, I'm going to keep it simple for us to understand, but I'm also going to bring out a few things that possibly we haven't heard, but when we hear them, and God begins to correlate him, he's going to give us a, a beautiful understanding because there's nothing mm-hmm. by mistake in, in the scriptures and every single bit of it is used for God's mm-hmm. purpose. So in Revelations, the first chapter, and of course this is uh, when John, the, the beloved one who would always have his head on Jesus' breast, was on the Isle of Patmos. Mm-hmm. And, and Christ appears to him. And, uh, but we're going to go right to the 16th verse because those few, first few verses are very descriptive of Christ and his person. And they're very, very descriptive. And we, I'm not going to get into them this morning, but verse 16, it says this. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And what I want to talk about this morning is stars. And it says, again, he had in his right hand, and we've said before, the right hand speaks of where Christ is seated as a man finished the work. He's seated there in Psalm 110, verse 1, and Acts 2, 34 and 35, and many, many more scriptures, uh, Hebrews 10, 12, and 13. And that speaks of his absolute, God has, through Christ, absolutely approved and given us all power, all approval, perfect satisfaction, and he's given us that. So whatever God does, he does through his right hand. So whatever God the Father does, he does through Jesus Christ at his right hand where he's absolutely approved and overwhelmed and satisfied where all his power flows through to us and in us and out of us. So he had in his right hand seven stars, And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand, see, his right hand upon me, saying unto me, and this is what God would have us to hear this morning more than anything, that his right hand is upon us. Christ is is at his right hand where he represents us. And then the right hand of Christ himself is on us, touching us. And with that, he's saying to us, fear not. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in your loved one's lives or anyone else, fear not. Why? Because I'm the first. I've seen it all before it happened. And I'm the last. I have the last say about everything pertaining to your life and to your loved ones. I am he, in verse 18, that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. He's ever living in the Father's perfect satisfaction about who he is and about us. Ever living. Amen. Agree with it. (laughs) And I have the keys of hell and death and write the things which you have seen and the things which are. So you're going to write things that are seen. God wants us to see them. We can only see them through Christ. And the things which are. So there's things that he wants us to see pertaining to our life 
And by the way, we are those stars that are in his right hand, by the way. And listen, we are as his stars, we are in his right hand. <laughs> and who's going to take us out of the Father's complete satisfaction, rest, power, and approval? No one. We're in his right hand place of absolute security and safety far above anything so so those are things I want you to see I want you to see them because those are the things which are but the things that are seen and the things that are are in my right hand and you are in my right hand my son is my right hand and you're in him he's holding you as his stars and the things that will be hereafter. So the hereafter things have to do with chapter 16 to a portion of 19. It has nothing to do with the church. We're in his right hand. Those things that are happening are happening on the earth for his purposes to be worked out. Verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, really the word should be lampstands. The original says they are the lampstands. They're not the candlesticks like we know candles. They are these lampstands, seven of them. But there was oil that would produce the heat and the warmth and the light. And it's very representative, which we're not gonna go into today because we're gonna go into the stars today. The seven stars are the angels. Greek word is angelos. The angels of the seven churches. What does that mean? And the seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven churches. We'll go into about what the angels are tonight, if God wills. But we're not going to go into what the angels are and what they represent. And they're not what supposedly many have taught it's not even close to being that, okay? It has to do with you and I, just as much as the stars have to do with you and I, and it has everything to do with who we are, the angels and the stars. But this morning, we're gonna talk about the stars. Tonight, the angels and what it means. And then in Genesis, the first chapter, Genesis, the first chapter, it says this. This is God's creative acts. This is God, Jesus Christ, in his pre-incarnate state. He's recreating the earth because <laughs> it was form. It was without form and void. So Christ, in his pre-incarnate state, which means before he put on his humanity, he's as the son of God, he's creating. And here he's creating. And then finally we get to, in the creation of God, Christ in his pre-incarnate state, verse 16. And God made, and, and notice this, and God made two great lights. Even before he made those lights that we think light up everything, well, look in verse 3 of Genesis 1. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. That's before the sun, the moon, or the stars, any of it. Very interesting, isn't it? So God said, let there be light. <laughs> and there was light. You remember what Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, when he was speaking to the Pharisees and speaking to the woman that was caught in adultery and speaking to his disciples and speaking very loud and clear to the Pharisees? I am the light of the world. He that walks after me 
will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light, who's the light, Christ, of life, and who's our life, Christ. So God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, that's the sun, but the lesser light to rule the night, that's the moon, and the moon has no light in itself, but what it reflects of the sun. But here's what it says, he made the stars also. <laughs> he made the stars also. Very interesting. Okay, now we turn to Psalm 147. And I'm going to read Psalm 147. And I'm going to read the first six verses of Psalm 147. Psalm 147, verse 1, says, Praise you, the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praises comely. The Lord does build up Jerusalem. Yes, he does. He's building up the nation of Israel. He's the one that held the earthly people. And remember, Israel, the Jews, are his earthly people. You'll hear so many times, well, the Jews, they're God's people. Well, they're his earthly people, but he has heavenly people too, and that's us, the church. But in this instance, it says the Lord does build up Jerusalem. Notice the same one who does the building up. Jesus is the Messiah, the king, the anointed king who will rule and reign over Israel on the earth. But he's our bridegroom. We are his heavenly people. That's why we meet him in the clouds of the air. That's why we're seated above in Ephesians 2, 6 with him. But he's our bridegroom and we are his bride. And oh, by the way, as far as the heavens are above the earth, so far, truthfully, is our position in him. But the Lord does build up Jerusalem. He gathers, he, notice it, he gathers together the outcast of Israel. Israel has been an outcast nation since they cast out their Messiah, since they cut him off in John 1, 11. Without a, without a doubt. But he gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He's the one that does that. He does it. And here's, here's a beautiful verse in verse 3. He heals the broken in heart. That's right. He's the one that does that. That's why Psalm 107 verse 20 says he sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from all the destruction. So he, bind, he heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. Wounds there really, it's, these aren't really outward wounds. These are the griefs and the pains and suffering that are on the inside where we can, in a sense, we suffer about ourselves and failures and sins or for our loved ones or for others. But he binds up their griefs. Look at verse 4. He tells, this is very beautiful, he tells the number of the stars. It's very interesting. He tells, in Psalm 147, verse 4, he tells the number of the stars. He calls them all by their names. Very interesting. He calls them all by their names. Daniel 12. Daniel 12. Daniel. I didn't mark you, Daniel, did I? No, I didn't mark Daniel, so 
I have to turn there. So Daniel 12. Again, this is to the nation of Israel. This is his dealing with them. But we can glean from it unbelievable truths from it. Daniel 12, verse 3 says this, And they that be wise. They that be wise here in the Hebrew is teachers. Those that are teachers, notice what it says, will shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. As the stars forever and ever, right? He knows the stars. He calls them by name. He calls them all by name. John 10, where it talks about the sheep. It talks about Christ who's the shepherd. It talks about the porter who represents the Holy Spirit. But it says this in verse 3. To him... The porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. So the stars that are in the right hand of Christ in, in Revelations 1, 16, and Revelations 1, verse 20, that are in his right hands are the same as those that are the sheep that he calls by name. He calls them by name. And he leads them out. He's constantly leading us out. <laughs> whatever is not of him, whatever is not of his right hand. And he's leading us right back in. Verse 4 says of John 10, when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them. What does that mean? Well, the same way that it means that they're in his right hand is that he's gone before all the circumstances and all the situations and every single thing that you and I face in time, in this life, he already went before. <laughs> he went before. He not only went before, but he goes with us and he goes in us. <laughs> and he goes before. He goes before them. So how do we know what to do in circumstances and situations? Well, we know because we're in his right hand. And when he leads us, and when we hear his voice, it says the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. They know the voice that says, listen, you are accepted. You are not your sin. You are not your failures. You are not what someone does to you. You are not what you do. You are who I've made you to be in my right hand. That's who you are, and I want you to hear me, and I want you to know that I've gone before. I've weighed every single step that you've had to take, every single thing that you've been through. I've gone before in my love and wisdom, and not only that, I sent my son, and he went before you in his humanity, and every single step that he took, you were in his mind, and he was preparing and going before you and so for you and I to know what to do in situations just like the mariners and that navigate on the rough seas and they see the stars at night, they direct them. Remember who was the star that led the wise men to Jesus? And so the sheep follow him because they know his voice and his voice is always one never of condemnation. It's never of anything but edification, ever. That's the only voice we're to hear. Mm 
And when we do hear that, we're like his little stars. He lights us up. And he not only lights us up for his glory, but for our blessing, but for the blessing of so many others. Because Jesus, do you remember what Jesus said in John 9? Verse 4, he said, I must, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day. The whole time of his life was day where he was doing it all. And then it says the night comes when no man can work. What's the night then mean? The stars shine brightly at night, don't they? The night speaks of his absence. He said, the night, I'd done everything during the day. Everything that needed to be done was the day that I was in my humanity. And I did it all. Now the night comes when no man can work. It's not about working. And you and I as the stars are not to work, not to strive. But we simply receive what was accomplished in the day. And when we do, we shine in the night of his absence like his little stars. And I was thinking of people this morning. And I thought of everybody in this room. I really did. And you are his little star. You're his star, literally. You're, you're the star that he lights up. In the night of his absence, we reflect him in a beautiful way. He said, as long as I am in the world, and how is it as long as he is in the world? We, his stars. We, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, we have this treasure, the treasure that lights it up, that lights up people's lives. It's he's in us. This, we have this treasure in these fragile clay jars that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And when you're a light, and in Matthew 5, 16, when people see the light of my son in you, they'll glorify me. They'll glorify me. So he said, as long as I'm in the world, through my little stars, I am the light of the, of the world. I'm the light. And when my sheep hear my voice, they be, they're like my little stars. And I not only want to light up their light, because the, those stars were given... The sun, the moon, and the stars were given to divide the night from the day. And we'll always, even in the night of his absence, we'll live in the light of the day of what he's accomplished in us. He'll light us up. And not only does he want to desire to light us up, oh, he just wants to light up and make himself visible in us to so many others. And that's as long as he'll be in the world. And so... The sheep, in verse John 10, verse 14, I, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. Oh, I know them, and I know them. They're like my little stars, and, and I'm known of mine. And when, my, I, when it's one thing for me to know my sheep, and I want them to know that I know them, and when they know that I know them, then they'll know me, and they'll light up. Then they light up. And then they will turn in type in, John, in Daniel 12, verse 3. They'll, they're like the stars. They'll light up someone's darkness. And they will turn them to the righteousness that's in them. The righteousness is not of them, but it's in them. It's Christ. They'll light, they'll light them up. 
and show them Christ. They'll show them the good shepherd. Because in John 10, 16, there's other sheep that I have that are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. How does he bring them? Through his stars. In the night of his absence, he's still bringing them to him. He's still the good shepherd. He's still the great shepherd. He's still the chief shepherd. He gets all the glory, all the credit, but we get the beautiful blessing. We do. And he's leading them to himself. Then he says, I must bring. He said, listen, no man works in the night. No, none of us are. We don't. The day is completed and finished because it was Christ. He finished it. And now he wants to give the day to us as his stars in the night of his absence. We're his little stars. We're his little stars. And he knows, as someone was saying this morning, he knows right where to place his stars, no matter what they think of it. <laughs> no matter what they may think of where God put them, they're his little stars. And he knows right where to put them just like right where he put every star that we look up at night. He created it. He made it. He, because he's going he's gonna to light up the dark sky of some people's lives. He's going to do that. Because then they're going to hear his voice through my little stars that I light up. They're going to hear what I've done and what I've accomplished in their life. How I lit them up in the, in the darkness of their life. And then others are going to hear their voice. And then there will, be, there will be one fold and one shepherd. That's what he'll do. He'll bring them there. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul is beginning to speak to the church, and I have them to understand the resurrection life, and he's talking about a seed or a body. And how not till that seed dies and goes into the ground that it brings forth another whole body in resurrection life. But then he's speaking about it. And he says in verse Corinthians 15, verse 38, but, but God gives it a body as it has pleased him. God gives it a body as it has pleased him. And, and to every seed, his own body. And there's different kinds of seeds, like there's different kinds of bodies. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there was one kind of flesh of man, another of beast creatures, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial, these heavenly bodies, the stars, the moon, the sun. Mm -hmm. There's celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, earthly. But the glory of the celestial is one. And the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is, one, there is one glory of the sun. And another glory of the moon. In verse 41. And another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. And what this, what God brought to me this morning is, is he's created us, he's formed us as his little stars. He's made our body just right as his little star for him, Christ, to shine in and through us. And one star differs, not in the sense of the glory that's revealed, but the shape of the star. And God has given each of us a capacity to reflect his glory like nobody else can. 
like no one else can. And then he knows where, exactly where to put those little stars. And one thing is for sure, one thing is for sure, that in Revelations 1.16, it says that he had in his hand seven stars. <laughs> seven. Why seven? Why seven? And this is what I, and usually I don't want to get into it too much, but in types, but the whole book of Revelations is one of symbols and types. And you really have to study it out and get God's mind on it. You really do. And when you do, you become like a little star. That really, He really lights you up. He had seven stars. They were in his right hand. What does seven mean? Well, seven in the Bible is a number of perfection. It's completion. It can be used in a very good sense and at times a very bad sense. The bad sense can only mean in terms of completeness. This bad in the sense of it's completely bad, period, or completely evil. But in this sense, he has the stars in his hand. Now, four is the number in the Bible for the earth. Four. North, south, east, west. Four. Four seasons. There's four seasons. It's the earth. It's his creation. Now, of course, number one is the number for God. He's one. Number one, he's God. But as far as God to manifest himself, the manifestation of who he is, is three. He's one God, but he manifests himself in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But they're one, but in terms of manifesting them, they're three. And when you add four, God's creation, the glory of his creation, and we read, remember, the glory of the terrestrial, and then there's the glory of the celestial. <laughs> now, we have his glory, the earth. He wants to manifest the glory of himself, three, <laughs> on the earth, complete, seven, seven. And there are seven stars, but listen, they're in the hand of him who created it all in his pre-incarnate state, but he put on humanity and he's speaking to John. <laughs> He's speaking to John, God in humanity. God manifesting himself in the perfect humanity of Jesus Christ. Manifesting himself, speaking to him, interceding for us in his perfect humanity that he took on to identify with us. And boy, I'll tell you, when we get to know those things, boy, we shine. We're, we're not just some little old star doing some little old thing in some little old place. But he so desires us in that sense to shine. Nothing greater than he loving to shine in his glory in us to bless us mm -hmm. and then to bless others. And so... The manifestation. Remember when Jesus was at his baptism in Matthew 3, 16 and 17? You'll see that. You saw Jesus 
God in humanity, God the Son and his perfect humanity, his impeccable humanity that could never sin and was never susceptible to sin. You hear a voice from heaven, God the Father, and then you see the Spirit, the Holy Spirit as a dove resting in him. Full manifestation in the humanity of God on earth and his creation. Beautiful picture. But the seven stars are in his right hand. Again, in verse 20, the seven stars, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the church. And some would teach you, as you see, there's four times in chapter three and three times, uh, two, four times in chapter two and three times in chapter three, three where He's speaking to the seven churches, but he's given a message. He gives the message to the angel of the church. And I'm not going to get into the angel, but let me tell you, this has been represented to me that this is the pastor. This is the one presiding over the church. This is the official one appointed by God over the church. It's not what it's teaching here. I had that teaching. I fell for it. It's not what it's teaching at all. There's nothing official about anything in the church, in the scriptures, nothing. Nothing by man's appointment to become an official. Not a drop of it. It's all Christ. Those angels were in his hand and it's representative. Now angel and and angel. Keep that thought in mind, angel, because I'm going to tell you very briefly, and then we'll get into the whole thing of it tonight. Let me tell you briefly what the angel is there. The seven stars, right? Who's the angel? Angel there is angelos. It's spelled A-G-G-E-L-O-S, and it's pronounced angelos. It's representative. It is a messenger and a representative, just like a star has light in it. And oh, by the way, that's you and I, not one official. Now, angel, angel. Remember when Peter was locked up in Acts the 12th chapter? He was locked up and they were praying And God really brought out prayer to me again in a very intense way this morning. So Peter's locked up. You'll read it in the 12th chapter of Acts. And they're praying. The whole church is praying specifically for Peter. And then the angel, the real angel of the Lord, you know, like the cherubim and the seraphim, the angel comes and through prayer... What were chains on him, locked between two fierce guards, they fall off of him. He gets up. They lead him through, and the gates to the prison just, well, they just kind of opened up. All because of prayer. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And verse 12 says, and when he had considered the thing, Peter was like, at first, all this is happening to me. It seems like a vision or a dream. But then he's actually there. The angel leaves and he's like, oh my God, this thing is real. And when he had considered it, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. That's the guy that wrote the book, the gospel of Mark, by the way. 
And of course, Peter interpreted the whole thing to little old Mark. So we get Peter's perspective in the book of Mark. <laughs> just, just to give you a little understanding. But watch. Whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together. And I want us to see they were gathered together. Oh, Jesus. Nothing kept them apart. They were gathered together. Oh, jeez. And guess what they were doing? Because they were gathered together, they were praying. They were as one, praying with one mind, with one prayer. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to, to hearken, named Rhoda. This little girl there, but guess what? Not too insignificant for God to mention her name. Just like none of us are too insignificant in our own little thinking. Oh, what was me? Oh, what was mine? It's just little me. What am I? Well, you know, God has you in mind. Okay. We're gathered together praying. Peter knocked. This little girl comes to see who's knocking at the door, the gate. And when she saw Peter's, when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. You know, she's praying. And like a lot of us, we pray for things. And then we're like awestruck when it actually came. Oh, I can't even believe it. You know, the little girl's like, oh, oh. we were just praying. And, run, and doesn't even open the door because she can't hardly believe it. Runs back to tell them. And they said unto her, you imagine, you know, you're out of your mind. But they were praying for it. They were praying for Peter. God, get him out of there. Do something, right? But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then they said, verse 15, look what it says. It is his angel. Why does it say that? And who are the angels? They're the angels with the four wings and the six wings, those created beings that are a host. No, no, it's not. They said it's his angel. Of course, Peter keeps knocking and so forth, and then he comes in. But the point is that they said it is his what? His angel. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 18? Okay, this is, this is literally, I wasn't even studying any of this this morning, and it just, it was like with the scriptures, God just went, whoa. <laughs> I was like, whoa, Okay. 18, Matthew 18. Okay, verse 6 says, But whosoever will offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Wherefore, if your hand, and then it says, you know, all about that, cut your hand off, your eye offend you, pluck it off, it's better. <laughs> And those are types, and we won't get into them this morning, but they're very, they mean a lot. But verse 10 says this, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. Don't take them lightly. Not just little kids, but little us. Because remember what John calls them all through his epistles. My little children, my little children, my little children. And he he recognized himself in the eyes of God through Christ as him being a little child too, even though on earth he was a spiritual father. But we're all his children in Galatians 3, verse 26. We're all his children in Christ. 
But he said, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven, their angels do always behold the face of my father, which is in heaven. And some think that, well, there's an angel that represents them before God. No, it's not. It's their spirit. That's what it's talking about. Constantly. Those little ones. If you wonder what happens to all those little kids, all those little babies, all the atrocities, and every single thing that happens, guess what? Got news for you. They're with him. And they are beholding his face. Yeah. And woe to the one who does cause those offenses while they're here. You can do what you want to them, and all you do is release them to me, into my presence before the age of accountability. They're not saved, but they are safe in my presence, beholding my face. Angel. They're angels. The angels that he's speaking to here, and we'll go into it much more tonight, are you and I. We're representative. The fullness of him. He is speaking to those that will hear him all through him. He that has an ear. He. Is that an angel? No. 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 They, the angels, the host of angels can't understand the things of God and things of Christ like we do. <laughs> he didn't take on their nature in Hebrews 2, 9 to 18. He didn't. He took on ours. Okay. And, we, we, and that's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, I pray God your whole spirit your angel, your whole, bo- your whole soul and body be preserved blameless because we represent him, the fullness of him and his unbelievable manifestation as his creation because three is the number of manifestation. You add it to four, the earth, you come out with completion. Christ completed it all <laughs> in so many more ways. What's going on on the earth, what will go on in the heaven, the whole thing. And one of these times, this is why I want to have classes on certain things, because it takes a class just on each of these things so we can understand, so we have an understanding and we can actually understand this book. It's huge. But that's what the angels of the church are. He is speaking to ever, whoever it is. There's a profession of the church, and there are those that truly possess it, possess Christ. And out of the midst of all those that profess, there's a few brought out in type in Revelations 3.8, the little church of Philadelphia, who will actually hear what the Spirit says to those that will hear. The Holy Spirit speaks to what? Their angel. Your angel might to the Spirit. And where do we worship God? In John 4, verse 24, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. An angel there is spirit. Mm-hmm. Not talking to some official, some pastor to give this great message to go out and tell all the rest. He's speaking to all those that will hear. You're his star. And when you and I hear him, boy, we light up. Mm-hmm. And we have something to say to people. Because it's him. Mm-hmm. But he's made himself one with us in the way that he created us to reveal the glory as his little star in the night of his absence in terms of sight, but certainly not in terms of reality. So, Lord, we thank you for the fact that we're your stars. 
that you made us stars, that you created us, you formed us, you made us specifically to for Jesus who created us, who saved us, to shine through us. Because this is the night of your absent, visibly, but you so desire, and you are. We become, in 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3, a written epistle. You're constantly, and like in Psalm 19, verses 1 to 4, or 1 to 6, how the moon and the stars are your signature. They speak of language that everybody can hear. How much more when Christ reveals himself as us, as his creation. We are created in Christ in Ephesians 2.10, where his good works, the works that he accomplished in the day that we receive, that he works in and through us to shine out to us and to so many others. We just thank you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.